Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, friends, good morning. Merry Christmas Eve to you. I was wondering if you're going to say Merry Christmas or Merry Christmas Eve, but um, we are so grateful that you are here today. And um, spoiler alert, I want to talk to you about the birth of Jesus. You know, it's funny, all around the world today, there are people gathering to remember that this baby was born almost 2,000 years ago. This shocking announcement that we've sung about today, that God became flesh and blood and bone and stepped into the story that he created. The architect becomes a, a part of the plan. The author steps into the story. It, it's, it's absolutely shocking. And yet, we were here about a year ago celebrating the same thing. I, my guess is we'll be here next year around the same time doing the same thing. And this shocking story has a unique ability of becoming completely commonplace. <laughs> I mean, we sort of just, just walk right by it. And, and my hope and my prayer is that it would shock us once again this morning. Um, a, a few months ago, I was out on my normal morning walk in my neighborhood and I came across a pool filter that was just dropped in the middle of the sidewalk. And when I first got to it, I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> like, who, who does that? Who do they expect to come and pick this up? I thought about just rolling it down the hill and getting rid of it myself. Now, um, I, was, I was upset. My dog wasn't as upset. He was with me. Um, the next day, it was there again, still there. And I thought to myself that day, stinking pool filter, still there. The next day I walked up to it and I thought, well, yeah, sure. Of course there's a pool filter right in the middle of the sidewalk. And my dog started going to the restroom on it and there it sat, I kid you not, for at least two months. And what did I, I walked past it almost every single day. And what at first shocked me soon became commonplace. And I think Christmas has the ability of doing the exact same thing. What once shocked us, God has come to a rescue? God has taken on humanity? Stepped into the, the architect became a part of the plan. The, the author became a part of the story. Stepped, he, he stepped in, really? And, and some of us now are like, oh yeah, of course, Christmas. God became a baby. God became flesh and blood. Of, of course he did. And I think we can just start to walk right past it. We can walk right past it because we're really busy people, aren't we? I mean, a lot of you are here today and you're squeezing this service in. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> but really, you're, there's things you're going to go on to for the rest of your day. And my guess is leading up to Christmas Eve has not exactly been a serene, tranquil experience, has it? Some of the guys in here are like, yeah, it actually has. The women are like, no, <laughs> it has not. Thank you very much. You know, it's like, we're, we're busy. We're also, 
we're also pretty distracted people. I don't know if you have realized this, but um, we, we have a number of things going on in our life. I saw this um, video on uh, social media this week and I thought this perfectly captures our cultural moment. There's this lady walking through the mall, texting on her phone. And there she is, she just walked right in, right in to that fountain. Anybody been there? Now, now here's the deal. My guess is you haven't walked into a fountain lately. If you have, we have a counseling department we'd love to get you connected with, okay? But my guess is, parents, my guess is you've been texting and missed that kid that was pulling on your leg. My guess is you were playing a family game and had your phone out alongside. And, and maybe we haven't walked into a fountain. But my guess is we're a bit distracted just like she was. And, and we're, we're overstimulated. I mean, we live in a state of constant and perpetual entertainment. My guess is that most of us, like first thing we say hello to in the morning is our phone. Last thing we say goodnight to is our phone. And in between, we've got our earbuds on and our Netflix streaming and YouTube shorts going and all sorts of different things. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember that there was a time when you were waiting in line. All you had to do while you were waiting in line was, wait for it, wait. <laughs> Try that now. I mean, go to Starbucks now and just have your hands in your pocket, stare straight ahead. People are gonna think you're a psycho. Because everybody else is gonna be doing this, right? Like we're busy, we're distracted, we are overstimulated. That's the world that we live in. And I think it's possible for us to just walk right past the story to miss it, to miss the shocking announcement that God has come to our rescue. But here's the ironic part of all this, you guys, that, that having no room for the story is actually a part of the story. I don't know if you caught it when we were reading Luke chapter two and we came to verses six through seven after the, um, after the decree had been made that a census should be taken and Mary and Joseph and their family were on their way to Bethlehem. It says this in verse six, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was, anybody know? No room for them in the inn. Having no room for the story is actually part of the story. And it's to people like, like that 2,000 years ago, and to people like us who may or may not walk into a fountain while we're texting, that Isaac Watts penned the lyrics of that great hymn that we sing on Christmas, Joy to the World. The Lord is come. Let earth, what? Receive. Receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. You catch the juxtaposition here? Like nature is singing. Nature is declaring, but you and I, 
have to, must. If we don't, we'll distract ourselves, we'll entertain ourselves, we'll busy ourselves. We must prepare him room. Because if we don't, we'll miss him. And that's exactly what Mary did that first Christmas night. The story continues in verse 8. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. Or you can just listen to the Christmas story again this Christmas Eve. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. How many of you think you would have been filled with fear also? Please raise your hand. Please. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Like what a scene. I mean, just close your eyes for a moment and try to picture it. You're you're a shepherd doing your job out in the middle of a field outside of Bethlehem, probably a few miles outside of Bethlehem in the middle of nowhere. And out of nowhere, one angel shows up and tells you, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. And then calls in the reinforcements, a multitude praising, and I can only presume singing, glory to God in the highest. And I think, I think most of us assume that that's what we have to create room for. The angels, the, the, the ecstatic declaration, the, the, the phenomenal miracle of an angel stepping into time and space, declaring, because that's what angels do, they're messengers, declaring the glory of God. But here's the thing. I think if we're just looking for the angels and we're just listening for the angel's song. I don't know, I don't know if we'll, we will have prepared him enough room. Because the angel's declaration isn't the only way the message comes that first Christmas night. Listen to the way the story continues. When the angels went away and into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, what in the world was that all about? Okay, that, before, that was before they said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph with a baby lying in a manger. How, how did they know which, which baby it was? Well, the angel told him, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And, and that wasn't normal. My guess is there's only one baby lying in a feeding trough in Bethlehem that night. Here's why I know that. Because most of you didn't lay your newborn baby in your dog bowl. <laughs> and neither did they, unless it was their last resort. 
So they go to Bethlehem. This little town, leave their field, go to Bethlehem, and they look for this baby who's lying in a manger. And I just had to wonder throughout my time of studying and revisiting the Christmas story again. And I just love getting to preach it every single year because you get to look at it from all sorts of different angles. And this year I just wondered, why in the world didn't the angels just show up to Mary and Joseph? And you may wonder, why, why don't the angels just show up to me? Like why, if, if, if the angels showed up, then I believe. Why didn't they just come to Mary and Joseph? Well, do you see what's happening? The glory of this message, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, the best message the world has ever heard from the get-go is becoming incarnate. See, it's not the angels that tell Mary and Joseph, it's actually shepherds, the lowest people on the social hierarchy in their day. The message is being carried in clay pots because it's not ultimately about the messengers. It's about the message. It's about the one whom they are declaring. So it's being emptied of anything that would give it earthly glory from the very beginning. The shepherds are the clay pots carrying the message of gospel. And this is the reason we must prepare him room. Because he's probably not going to force his way into your life through an angelic declaration. It might be a lot more commonplace. It may be from a shepherd or from a pastor. Which, by the way, is where we get the word, we get the word pastor from shepherds, ironically. And it's probably not going to be Glorious in the way that you think about it. See, we all want to make room for glory. The question today is, will you make room for the story? Will you make room for the story? And what they did when they got there, I imagine they introduced themselves to Mary and Joseph. And then they went on and they said, when when they saw them, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this Child, I mean, where do you start that story? If you're, if you're the shepherd showing up in Bethlehem, this baby lying in a feeding trough, where do you start the story? Hi, I'm Bob and this is Harry and we're shepherds in the field just over there. And we saw these angels and well, hark the herald angels sang. They told us about glory to the newborn king and peace on earth and mercy mild and God and sinners reconciled. What do you you say? I wonder if they said, we bring you good news of great joy that will be for, what, can you remind me of what he said? Yeah. Oh, oh, for, for all people, for all people. What does Mary do? Mary Mary does exactly what I'm going to invite you to do today. Here's what Mary does. When all who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured, everybody say treasured. All of these things up and say it with me. Pondered them in her heart. But Mary, she sort of stands unique. She stands apart from the rest of all the people in the story, all the other people in the story. It seems like they heard the message, but the message seems to have pierced Mary. I mean, she's just given birth. 
This is the first Christmas night. She hears this declaration and then it says that she pondered. Um, That word that we translate pondered in the Greek is a word that means putting together the pieces. Um, When you walked in, you got a puzzle piece. Will you take that out and just hold it? Anybody else have families that love doing puzzles? Especially around Christmas time, we love having a puzzle out on the table. And my, my daughter is amazing at puzzles. She can look for a puzzle piece and find it and just with a brazen amount of confidence, just pop it right in there. I'm more of the hunt and peck kind of puzzle doer, right? Does this fit? Does this fit? Does this fit? The picture being painted by Luke is of Mary putting together a puzzle. And you might just imagine her in the pain of just giving birth, sitting there in this makeshift apartment in the back room attached to a house, putting together the pieces that she's heard from the time that she was just a little girl, like a puzzle. Why? Well, because preparing him room requires that we pause long enough to ponder requires that we pause long enough to put together the pieces of what God has done, of what God has done in our midst. And and I think that Mary's putting together the pieces included at least two things. Here's the first thing it had to include. Mary, a good Jewish girl, would have grown up around the teachings of scripture. She would have heard that in her home. She may have been exposed to it as she went to synagogue and she heard teaching from the priests. And I just have to wonder, did she start to put together the pieces of the promises that had been made? And she started to go, oh my goodness, God, 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 you're working all of this out. I wonder if she started at the very beginning, the very first message that God would come to our rescue. It's actually found in Genesis chapter three, right after the fall, right after sin enters the world, the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the fields. On your belly you shall go and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And here's the declaration, don't miss it. Most people call this the proto-euangelion. It's the first declaration of the gospel. And I wonder if Mary had it in mind that first Christmas night. I will put enmity between you, devil, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. And I wonder if she's looking at these pieces and she's thinking of this scripture between your offspring and and, and my offspring. God, is this the way that you're gonna reverse the curse? God, is this the way that you're gonna invite humanity back into relationship with you? She puts together those pieces that first Christmas night. One of my favorite modern art pieces is by a woman named Sister Grace Remington because she pulls together these pieces of Genesis chapter three, verse 15 and the story of Mary carrying the Christ. Look at this picture, it's beautiful because Eve is holding this piece of fruit that you'll notice has a bite taken out of it. She's being consoled by Mary. Eve has her hand on Mary's belly. She's touching the redemption that's coming, the Messiah who's coming. And then look at their feet because the serpent is wrapped around Eve's feet, but Mary is crushing its head. 
And you wonder if Mary's starting to put together all of these pieces. I wonder if she, she sort of started to think through the, the narrative of scripture and next she would come to Genesis chapter 12, a great declaration of God's promise. He says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless your name and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all, everybody say all, the families of the earth shall be blessed. And I wonder if Mary putting together these pieces goes, the shepherds, they said it was good news of great joy for all people. And I wonder if she glanced over at that manger and thought, is this, is he, how all families will be blessed? I wonder if she fast forwarded to Isaiah's prophecy, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mary knew quite well that a virgin had in fact given birth to a child. She was that woman. And I wonder if in that moment she went, God's with us. It's it's happened. He's come to our rescue, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. And do you think maybe as she's recounting and putting together the pieces of these promises that she looks over and maybe just under her breath whispers, God, I'm really sorry about the accommodations. (laughs) I wish we had better space. I wonder if her mind goes to Micah chapter five, but you, oh, what? Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come one forth from me who will be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient times. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall, shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And I wonder if she bent down and touched the dirt and whispered under her breath, And I wonder if she leaned over to Joseph and said, what, remind me again, what was, the, what, was the, what was that that the multitude of angels declared? And, and, and maybe Joseph would have whispered back to Mary, they said, peace on earth. Well, sure, he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. And I, I wonder too, I wonder, if she putting together those puzzle pieces, I wonder if she just started to get shivers down her spine when she recounted Isaiah's prophecy that the people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of darkness, on them a light has shone. And I wonder if she just looked up and said, thank you, Lord, 
For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And I wonder if she put together those pieces for unto us a child. This child is born. The Lord of hosts will do this. At that first Christmas night, as Mary ponders, I think the pieces that she's putting together is God did it. God God did it. He really has come to our rescue. He's reversing the curse. He's saving his people from sin. He's showering down blessing. He's giving his favor. A light is shining in the darkness. He really did it. God broke into history to redeem everything that's broken in his world. God did it. Mary is experiencing the truth that she uttered nine months earlier when she was told that this would happen for nothing will be impossible with God. Now she's sitting in Bethlehem and she's putting together the pieces. Nothing is impossible with God. And I just want to remind you tonight, today, I don't know how you walk in these doors. I want to remind you, the Christmas story declares to us nothing is impossible with God. But it also declares to us, you don't have it in you to get to God. You needed God to come to you. You needed a God who could do it because you couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't make it to him on your own. And maybe the reason that we like to walk past Christmas is because Christmas makes that painfully clear. To people who are addicted to their own self-righteousness or their own progress or pulling up their bootstraps and believing if they just look deep enough inside, then they'll make it. Christmas confronts all of those ideologies and says they are false. You needed rescue. You needed a God who could do it. And that's what we celebrate. God has done it. But there's a second thing that I think Mary starts to realize. And it's really important for us to realize it as well. I I assume that she starts to wonder, why me? Why? Why me? I mean, when the angel first declared to her that she would carry the Messiah, he said, blessed are you. you. You have received much favor from God. And then Mary responded, the mighty one has done great things for me. Now, is this some sort of hyper-narcissistic take on the most grand story ever told? No, no. I would say that it is sober-minded awareness that love is always personal. Always personal. Regardless of how far-reaching it is. And Mary, I think, that first Christmas night, hold hold that puzzle piece again, starts to put together the pieces, not only that God did it, but that she's a part of it that she's a part of it. As the angel said to Matthew, or sorry, as Matthew recorded the angel saying to Joseph, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus 
for he will save his people from their sins. See, I think Mary starts to realize that she gave birth to him, but that he would give his life for her. And I think her second putting together the pieces declaration is, I'm part of it. I'm part of it. He did it. I'm part of it. That's the Christmas message that I don't want you to walk past today, that I want you to create space for. That's the part that I want you to prepare him room. He did it. You're a part of it. Will you let those promises become personal for you also? See, this is the God who calls himself Emmanuel. I'm with you. I'm with you in that hospital room. He says, I'm with you when your world starts to fall apart. He's the God who says to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm the shepherd who will go after you. You don't have to perform to receive my love. You are his child who he loves to give good gifts to. You are so important to him that he is picking up the shattered pieces of your life and weaving them into a majestic tapestry of his grace and restoration. You are a part of it. You're a part of it. So today, this Christmas Eve, you know, the, the worries that Mary and Joseph had, they're, they're long gone now. <laughs> but we've got our own worries, don't we? We've got, we've got our own things that are stirred up in our soul this time every year. And maybe just remembering God did it. He worked in history to bring about his redemptive plan and remembering I'm part of it. Maybe, maybe that peace that you've so longed for is waiting on the other side of preparing him room. Maybe that anxiety that you've been wrestling with is waiting on the other side of creating space for that story to make its home in you. Maybe the burdens that you're carrying and maybe the failure that you're wallowing, maybe, just maybe, there's freedom if you would just prepare him room. God did it. You're part of it. And in the busyness and distracted, entertainment-saturated space that we live, will you pause long enough to prepare him room? See, this Christmas, I want to invite you to treasure afresh the truth that Jesus has come to our rescue. And maybe, maybe today before you go rushing out into whatever the rest of your day looks like, maybe in the next few moments, you're gonna hear a song and I would just invite you to use this time to say back to God, God, how do you wanna enter into my life today? And maybe you're here and you don't normally come to church and, and you got dragged here by your family. Once again, so glad you're here. <laughs> but I think, I think, God has more for you right now than just going through ritual and tradition, appeasing your family so that tonight's dinner is a little bit more enjoyable. I think the God of the universe is saying to you, it may not be in an angel's declaration. It may be more in a shepherd's announcement, but will you prepare this God who says, I've come for you, I've done it, and you are part of it. Will you prepare him? just invite you to close your eyes and let's just quiet our hearts. Maybe there's some and you're here for the, and for the very first time you're saying, Lord, I've walked past this message for a long time. 
And today, I want to receive you. Let every heart receive him. I want to receive you. I want to prepare you room. Maybe you would say back to God, God, I trust that you've done it, that you've come to my rescue, that I couldn't make it to you on my own. So you came to me. And I trust today that I'm a part of it. Not that you just love the world, but that you loved me. And you've come for me. And you could just say back to him, I trust you. Would you forgive me? Would you call me your own, redeem me, and save me? Please. And Lord, for all of us here, we would just say we want to create space in our lives and in our hearts for room for you. You're here. We're confident of that. And as we sit with each other and with you, would you just make yourself known in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.